0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take the Stage, the Opera Podcast. Today, we are sharing with you an amazing interview we did with soprano Shari Gruber. She is a gem of a person with insight into finding joy in singing, in performing, and even in practicing, which is kind of hard. But she also discusses creating the career that you want and enjoying the simple things, which can be challenging in this whirlwind of a career. Hope you enjoy. Is everyone saying no to your singing career?
1: Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy.
0: Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation.
1: There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat.
0: In vocal Lupo. This is Evan, and I am sitting here with my buddy, Mariah.
1: What's up? Hey, buddy. (laughs) Um, Also, happy birthday.
0: Thank you.
1: How old are you? 22 now?
0: I don't have to tell you how old I am, because that's ageism. (laughs) (laughs) But my wife keeps asking, Hannah keeps asking, what do you want to do for your birthday? And sometimes it's hard as an adult. You're like... Oh like oh what do I want to do?
1: I want a big party. That's what I want. I know but, is but that you think happen?
0: it's like oh but I'm so busy all day and yes. I got all It's just so funny that Sometimes we don't even give ourselves permission to celebrate yes. our own selves. Like once a year, just celebrate yourself.
1: I mean, I celebrate myself on the regs, so.
0: <laughs> well, good for you. I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> so I did. I tried to have in the past, sometimes I legit would just be like, oh, I don't really want to do anything for my, I don't want to do anything. And today I'm like, no.
1: Yes.
0: Even if I don't have tons of time, I want to do a game night.
1: Yeah.
0: And I want to do a little bike ride and I'm making cinnamon rolls.
1: Oh, your cinnamon rolls are so good. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: that's what I want. And you can't take that from me, okay?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yes, so also tell everybody a little bit about our course that we started this week. We had our first session. It was so fun.
1: It was so fun. We had a good group of um, students come and we started learning about how to set up a performance resume and um we even had
0: a professional actor there professional singer actor yeah we had a great night we talked a lot about the the mental tools that you need to deal with anxiety and pressure being a singer whether it's in the practice room Mm -hmm. the audition room or on the big stage we were talking specifically about auditioning um in this course but all of this thought work exercise that we do is so relevant yes and um anyway if um, you would be interested in learning some of these things that we're teaching of course we have um, our course that will be going live sometime later this year when we'll have people on zoom and that will be so fun but even if you'd like to work one-on-one um, message us at take the stage opera at gmail.com for a free life coaching session with me i am a professional life coach and i would love to and offer he's a great one Thank you. <laughs> and I would just love to offer a free session to you as one of our listeners. Yes.
1: You're so giving. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I mean that's a really amazing thing that you're giving people.
0: We're trying to offer value to you as our listeners and yes. to people in our course. So, yeah, yeah. hope you that you enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Let's go ahead and welcome our guest. Shari Gruber has been hailed as nothing short of sensational by Opera Magazine and a real creature of the stage by Opera News. Soprano Shari Gruber has become a prized artist on U.S. and international stages alike, including New York City Opera, Opera Theater of St. Louis, Boston Lyric Opera, Pittsburgh Opera, Los Angeles Opera, and many more. Welcome, Shari.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to meet you both.
0: (laughs) The reason I wanted to have Shari on our podcast is because we um, have started talking more about how to cultivate joy in singing. And I instantly thought about her because of an experience that I had when I was first starting my career. And I was asked to be in a concert version of La Boheme with the Lubbock Symphony. And... um, we we were having three or four rehearsals and then performing twice. But when I showed up to the first rehearsal, the cast was prepared to perform, like with staging and sets and everything memorized. And I had only received the role a couple of weeks earlier and told that I could sing it with a script. So I was, you know, a little bit panicky <laughs> and I had three days to... Um, try to cram it all into my brain. Anyway, one day I was sitting out in the house during a rehearsal, and Shari was just so kind. She's always kind. And she said something that really impacted me. And um, she reminded me that we're so lucky to be able to be singers, to be able to do what we love, to be able to make art. And she reminded me to be grateful for this learning opportunity to stretch myself. And ultimately, it turned into a real turning point for me. I learned about my potential, how to stretch myself, and so thank you, Shari. I still remember that.
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm so moved that you remember that, and thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was such a fun experience, but it was a whirlwind, so, and it was a whirlwind for those of us who knew our roles, so I I can't imagine, you know, what it was like for you. I mean, I can because I've been in situations (laughs) where things happen really fast, but, you know, it's it's just, it's like, you know, add water, stir, and go. Yes. You yes.
0: Uh, but it was such a fun cast and so fun to work with you. So good memories.
2: Oh, really good memories. It was mm-hmm. a great cast and a wonderful week that we had there. It really was. And such a fun crowd and such an appreciative audience. Yes. You know? Yes, yes, yes. That sounds like
1: so much fun. Um, oh, it, it was a little crazy. <laughs> but fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get started by asking how, Shara you are able to cultivate gratitude and joy into your singing. Does it come naturally for you, or is it something you have needed to work at?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. I I had uh, a very difficult childhood um, and a very complicated family, Mm -hmm. and I did a lot of things that I felt I needed to do. Uh, and, and, and pushed myself and I'm a very, very hard worker. And I found out in college that the, the way that I thought my life was gonna go, which was medicine and something solid and yeah. something that was gonna regularly put food on the table, um, which I didn't always have growing up, um, I thought that you know was gonna be the way to go and then all of a sudden I discovered my voice. Mm. And I discovered that there was something that I could do that could potentially make money but also make me happy rather than just doing the thing to put the food on the table. So I think having that combination of perspective, um, of having difficulty in, in my childhood, and then also realizing that I can make a living doing something that I love and knowing that, you know, food on the table and a roof over my head is not always a given you know, for me or for other people, but the fact that I was able to do that through singing and, you know, support myself, support my family um, through music and through this wonderful, crazy, sometimes extraordinarily difficult business, but the art form is amazing, you know? And um, through all the difficulties of the business itself, I feel like I was always able to kind of keep the joy or if I lost it, I found it again because of mentors or because um, of certain people who would say something to me that just all of a sudden, you know, um, gave me a different perspective on it. But I always look back at my childhood and realize that I don't have to I didn't have to live that way, but I also didn't have to like put my nose to the grindstone and not enjoy what I was doing, right? And not to say that I wouldn't have enjoyed medicine. I think I would have been a, you know, a decent doctor, but I I know that actually, you know, my path was kind of meant to go here because this really is my calling. Yeah. Medicine was not my calling. It would have been my vocation. This is my calling. And I didn't make as much money singing as I would have been being a doctor probably. <laughs> But I also know that it's not about the money yeah you know that's something my childhood also taught me it's not about wealth it's not about fame it is about you know being in the moment it is about nurturing those important relationships and you know and having a wonderful life
0: Wow yes and- so you mentioned times where you lost the joy of singing is there a moment or even, Maybe if if you don't want to go too specifically, that's fine too. But could you explain what's that like for you to lose the joy and then gaining it back? What was the process for you?
2: Well, there are two times in my kind of singing career that I felt like I lost the joy. And they were very, very different circumstances. Um, The first time was very, very, very early on in my career. I had just gotten out of the, uh, at the time, Juilliard Opera Center. I already had management. I was already during the last two years at Juilliard, singing lead roles at New York City Opera. Um, And I was out working full time, and it was just, I was so exhausted Mm -hmm. from having done my undergrad and having to play catch up with, you know, suddenly changing from pre-med to singing, uh, and then going to Juilliard and just push, 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 push. And um, I didn't have, I always felt like I was behind. And I always felt like I wasn't good enough, <laughs> something all of us, I think, right. can yes. relate with. And I just got to the point where I, did, I felt like I didn't have a whole lot to say all of a sudden through my music. I just felt empty. And I was, had been asked to go uh, to the Ravinia Festival to do their Steens Institute uh, residency for a month. And Margot Garrett at the time, um, who had been one of my mentors from Tanglewood, so knew me pretty well at that point, um, she was running it. So I showed up and I said, Margo, I, I, I don't want to perform. I just want to come here and can I, can I just like study and coach and do those things, but I don't want to perform. And she was like, yeah, I see where you are. OK, that's totally fine. And she supported me through that. She gave me that opportunity just to make music again without having to impress anybody, yes. without having to feel like I had to go out and do anything and um and oddly enough by the end i actually did give a couple of performances (laughs) but i needed those few weeks because it had just been like boom 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 throughout the entire few years of ending my training and starting the career and um, i needed time to just be yes and just be Mm -hmm. with music and be and it's such a wonderful kind of a little pod mm-hmm. that you are in when you're at Ravinia. Wow. And it's just art song, which is my favorite thing in the world <laughs> anyway. So, you know, it was kind of kind of this wonderful little comfortable place where I could go and just ferment for a while and you know, get going again, which I did. And that fed me for a long time. Mm. Those few weeks that I had up there. And I'm so grateful to Margot for giving me. Yeah,
1: I was just gonna say that's amazing that you had a mentor Mm -hmm. who recognized that and didn't judge you for it and really gave Mm -hmm. you that time that you needed.
2: Yes, and I've, I'm so happy that I've been able to, in the last couple of years, thank her for it personally. Thanks, Marvin. Oh, that's lovely. Um, you know, just so so important, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, a- another thing that stood out to me is that we, we've we talked a lot in our podcast about taking investments for your own mental health, for your own safety, for your mind. And so, sometimes we think, well, oh, I, I can't give myself that time, or I can't it'll set me behind, it'll make it harder for my career, but look at what can happen if you allow yourself to take care of yourself, all of a sudden you're energized, you're ready to go, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't the kind of person at the time, and it's still something that I struggle with, who could say, stop, I can't do this. I'm a person who yeah. says, okay, what do I need to do? All right, this challenge is in front of you, in front of me I need to do, you know, steps one, two, three, four and five, and I'm gonna do those in those order, and I'm gonna get my result. That's that's the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. You know? So um for me to say stop I can't I can't do one, two, three, so I can't do four and five. For me to do that was very unlike mm-hmm. myself. So I think it was just one of those things I just realized that I couldn't go forward. Most other challenges in life I'm very methodical about and but that was just one where I realized okay, this is different, you know, and I don't know if it was kind of a wave of depression or with just exhaustion. I still don't know to this day. I just know that I felt empty. Yeah, The vessel was empty, you know, and it just, it didn't take long to fill it up again. (laughs) I just needed to, I needed to find my inner voice again. Mm -hmm. And, you know,
1: thanks to Margo, I did. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Believe me, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, So... I remember when I was an undergraduate I had a hard time finding joy in singing in the practice room Um, because you know I was alone and I just felt like I had no idea what I was doing and sometimes it can be really tedious work and very stressful Um, but have you found some ways to stay grounded in your gratitude in the practice room specifically?
2: There was a moment when I started uh, Bikram yoga. Remember Bikram yoga? Yes. That whole fad. Well, back in the day, I spent a summer in Aspen and started at 8,000 feet. Decided to start (gasps) Bikram yoga with Chris Everett, the tennis star, was in the class. I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, (laughs) so, um, but I remember that first Bikram class. I ended up doing a lot of Bikram for the next few years. Um, while, I was traveling around the world, because the positions are called the same thing, whether you're in Japan yeah. or oh. Holland or Italy or wherever you are. But anyway, um, but that teacher that day, in a very unberum way, <laughs> said to me, "You know, perfection is the best you can do in the moment." Yes. And that, that like was like waves of self-forgiveness that came over me, mm. because, you know, coming from a place of never feeling good enough, realizing that if I am trying, in that moment to do my best, that is enough. No one's trying to screw up, right? Yes. But isn't, isn't that amazing how much forgiveness is in that? So I make sure to like, say that as often as I can to my students because that for me was an enormous lesson from an entirely diff- different discipline yeah. and philosophy. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, not the Bikram philosophy. It just happened to be this one teacher. But it, was, it just was life-changing. Yes. It really was.
0: Wow. So, um, as you have traveled around the world, sung with so many different people, I'm wondering about working with other colleagues. Sometimes we have stressful situations, either with other singers or, you know, certainly we hear about stories with working with a hard conductor or some, you know, something kind of challenging. How do you deal with situations like that and continue to build, you know, good relationships, even in stressful situations?
2: that most of our colleagues, including conductors and directors, you know, we all are lonely when we're on the road. Many of us want to create a sense of family very quickly, which most of us Mm -hmm, do. mm -hmm, Yeah. And those of us um, who do that, I think are happiest. Mm you know, and you sit down, you have dinners Mm -hmm. together, and you kind of go out and you do things together. I mean, like we did in Lubbock, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you kind of hang out, you get to know each other, you sit down, you get to know each person like on a break or something like that. The people who choose not to do that are not bad people, but they're just kind of going through a different thing in their life, or perhaps they're just not part of the mix. I think the best thing is to just let everybody do what they're comfortable with and respect that. Um, When you have difficulties with colleagues, If it's with Maestro, choose your
1: battles.
2: (laughs) 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 Choose your battles. Um, If there's one thing that you can fight for, and there are five that you can let go of, let Maestro get the other five, and you choose that one. And you say it very nicely, like, you know, I'm trying really hard to do what you want me to do. Um, I've tried it three times, the magic three. <laughs> Is there any chance that we could try it this way once just see, you know, it's what I'm used to doing or I feel passionately about it for a mm. reason X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, but tr- I think it's always best when we try not to vilify anyone yeah. who's in that company. You can have your opinion about it, but you know what? If trash talk gets nobody anywhere. So, you know, there are people in this business who hopefully are becoming fewer and fewer who are abusive uh, verbally or, God forbid, in other ways. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly verbally abusive is something that all of us get the backlash on sometimes. And there's just, you know, why continue the negativity, you know? Yes. You just have to get past it. Wow. They're going through their own thing. And um, there may be very, very valid reasons for that that we have no idea about. But that doesn't make it appropriate for that person to behave that way, um, but that also doesn't make it appropriate for us to then pass on that toxicity. Right. Yes. It's not helpful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help the process. You know, and I, there are some times when just like someone is just really awful. And I, I had one of those experiences once where the whole cast was like, dude, like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and the looks are flying and everybody's like breathing, trying to keep through like, from getting angry, you know. Um, you do have those experiences. But, you know, at that point, like, you, you hang on to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got your allies somewhere in that company. And you hang on to those people and you give them strength and they, you get strength from them back. Like, that's it's just, you know, it's a little bit of a battle in that sense. You kind of have to help each other rather than ganging up against anyone. You know sometimes you just have to get through it yeah yeah that's an unfortunate part of our business i mean it'll be interesting to see where some of these things go moving forward now that Mm -hmm. people are voicing more of these problems Um, but certainly my generation you put your head down and you got through the contract (laughs) yeah you know so um i'm i'm I love that the you young kids (laughs) do. I love that you young'uns are able to say more about it now and that there is, um, that there's starting to be some kind of infrastructure in the unions and things like that to deal with really serious concerns. But um, rely on your colleagues, rely on your people, and you know what, let them rely on you. Mm. You know, this is not an easy thing, and when you uh, to put together as an art form, to sometimes get through a contract, but there it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. There are so many things that we can learn from each other, and ways that we can lift each other up on stage, backstage, you know, off hours. Mm. Let's do that. You know, this business is so hard anyway. For crying out loud, let's just see this wonderful community that we have, and and make use of that. Mm. You know, enjoy that. Yes, that's. I mean, it's the people that, you know, that keep us all going, right. You know, okay. You'll have an odd person here or there who's an <laughs> issue, but most people are not. Yeah. Most people are yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. what a gift. <laughs>
1: yes. So we, w- we asked this question to all of our guests and we would just like to know what is one part of your career development that has been like the biggest struggle for you? Um, we feel like every singer has that one thing that they have to overcome or everyone claims that they need to change in order to be successful. And we'd like to know what that thing is for you and how you approached it. Um,
2: for me, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> Pittsburgh allergies. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it was um, my lack of self-esteem and how that then turned into nerves. And um, that was a real problem for me, particularly early on, where it was very unpredictable. Some situations, I would feel very good. I walk through the door, and I had the juju going, and I would nail it. And then other times, I could kind of fall apart very easily. Um, So that that was something I had to work on really Mm -hmm. hard myself. And I did some therapy, which I recommend for anyone living in the 21st century. (laughs) But, because uh, life is complicated, but, um, and we started to kind of address those things. But one of the things I realized was singing at the A-level houses um, was something that I wasn't really wired for. Mm. And I didn't feel like I could make my best art there. So I really started dialing back, particularly after the, the birth of my daughter, started dialing back and doing things really more in the States and not in the A-houses. Um, it just wasn't where I was happy. Wow.
0: Hmm.
2: I was too stressed and i couldn't i felt like i couldn't contribute to the art form too much because i always felt like i was either on a tenter hook or i was having to do somebody else's staging or there was a big star in the room who was like changing the whole dynamic of things and it was really hard to kind of just be an artist so you know one of the things that i've, I've found so gratifying throughout my career but certainly once i started dialing things back a little bit was doing recital work which is my favorite thing in the world ever, and can't make a living at it, but man, does it feed the soul, and concert work, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and really finding a balance for myself, I mean, again, I come from a place where, you know, I had a fairly traumatic childhood, so for me to find a place where I'm finally happy, and I'm not constantly uncomfortable because of the level at which I'm having to sing, for me, that was incredibly healing, and again, mm-hmm. it was one of those things it's you know it was a matter of self-forgiveness like i'd shot to be a star and i wanted to do that at the beginning and push 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 but like i started realizing i'm just not wired that way Mm. that doesn't mean that i don't do excellent work and work at good companies but it means that i'm not pushing myself up at a certain level where i don't feel like i can be me like i can really make music and art the way i i need to
0: yeah that's another thing that's been fun to discover as we've done this podcast is talking to people who have figured out what they want to do with their lives and not what the career wants them to do or what everyone else wants them to do and i think we probably all go through a little bit of that process but it sounds like you've been able to figure out over time what you want to do with your life that's cool Mm
2: -hmm. yeah it is cool it is cool. And again, that's where so much of this joy comes from because I've shaved away some of those things that I don't enjoy. Right. You know, and to some people it may seem like I'm less motivated or I don't push as much or like, oh, you know, she could have, but she <laughs> didn't, you know, and, but you know what? It's okay. I'm still <laughs> yeah. making a good living doing what I love. And now I get to pass it on to young singers through teaching. Like that's an amazing thing.
0: Yeah. Okay, our next question, and I kind of remember you talking about one possibility, one possible answer, but your dream role that you'd still like to do.
2: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, it was funny on that gig in Lubbock. I don't know if you remember.
0: I think I do. I think um, I know what you're going to say.
2: You know where I'm going (laughs) to go. The the flight for the Mimi was delayed. So we had our, like, sing through with the conductor. Um, And um, he had never conducted BOAM before. And so he needed a Mimi. Now, I've done so many Musetas, and I've studied a little bit of Mimi, but I've always wanted to sing Mimi. So I was like, okay, I'll sing both. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and my larynx was a little confused because it is a bit of a different thing. But, um, you know, I would kind of take Mimi's lines mm-hmm. when her lines were dominant, and then I would sing musetta when her when I needed to. That's amazing. But it was... It, um, I was exhausted by the end of that rehearsal because I was not prepared for that, but it was really fun. Mm-hmm. So I will say that one of the roles I'd love to do, and I might never get a chance to do it except for that one day, and I thanked <laughs> Maestro for that opportunity. Was Mimi? Mm-hmm. I just I I'm so fascinated by her as a as a creature, mm-hmm. and I love the music. You know, I've been around it with all these Moose singers, <laughs> right. and I, I always listen for Mimi.
0: You sounded amazing, and I remember specifically. The act one duet you you know you guys were just like having so much fun with it and it was like you didn't even care what happened it was just like we're just singing this and this is kind of like a dream of mine to sing this it was so fun totally.
2: and there was there was no pressure yeah. you know and I was there with Richard mm-hmm. who's a dear friend of mine Richard Troxell right and you know We were helping out Maestro because finally he had someone to conduct because he needed that help, too. The first time through that piece, I can't even imagine how difficult that must be. And to do it on such a short timeline and then not have your Mimi there on the first rehearsal. And he did it with us
0: like standing behind him. The whole thing was us behind him while he conducted.
2: Right. So he wasn't going to have contact (laughs) with us. Wow. Right. Amazing. So he was he's a brave soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What a a lovely man. Uh, But also, like, I'm so grateful to him that he was like, yeah, sure. Great. Awesome. Do it. It'll help me too, and I was like, "Thank you." And he also was like, "Thank you," you know. But it was like the the best situation in which to try something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And I have no idea what I sounded like, but man, it sure felt good, you know. It was just delightful.
1: Um, is there a book that you would recommend that every singer read, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a music book? Just something that has helped you in your life.
2: Um, one thing, and it's it's actually re- relates back to singing. Or acting very, very specifically. But one book that really changed who I am as an actress, but also who I am as a person um, in terms of like bringing in a greater attention to detail and finding the beauty kind of in the minutiae of things um, was Uta Hagen's Respect for mm-hmm. Acting. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but there was a lot about how she. Um, she addresses those little tiny moments, you know, you go over and you pick up a coffee cup. Okay. That's the staging, but whose coffee cup is it? Is it your mother's coffee cup. Mm. It was a, the last cup of coffee she ever had before she passed away. I mean, so all of a sudden you start layering these things. And, um, not only was that a revelation in terms of the acting work, Um, that I do and I consider myself a singing actor Mm -hmm. more than like an opera singer but um, you know it really kind of opened up my eyes to the fact that you know particularly at the time that I was uh, reading that book everything was just chugging along almost out of control so fast was happening and all of a sudden I realized that like the details of things is actually where not only the specificity lies but the beauty Mm -hmm. lies you know And it was not long thereafter that I started gardening, which is Mm. my, my passionate, you know, (laughs) hobby, six months of the year here in Pittsburgh, (laughs) I get to be out in my garden. Um, But just realizing that, you know, just like Mimi has these little tiny enjoyments for these little tiny flowers that she embroiders, you know, that that is actually where so much of the beauty of life is. And many times in modern life we have these broad strokes we get through the day and you know but we've missed the details Mm. of these little things you know what did breakfast actually really taste like (laughs) what did our kids do that day that was this like miraculous little thing that you know because of the busyness of our lives we missed you know um these little tiny things make us slow down i think that's something post-covid that all of us have kind of You know, we've been hearing the birds more. We suddenly realize that there are chipmunks all over the yard all day, you know, (laughs) like all these things that we just didn't notice before. And it's this slowing down of things that makes us better at what we do. So to get back to what we were talking about earlier, taking this time that we think we can't afford Mm -hmm. to take. And allowing it to feed us or make us more aware or more detail-oriented or whatever it is that we happen to need by taking that time. That's really kind of what that book gave me. Mm. And I know it's very much a technique book and, you know, it's a certain school of things. But, man,
1: (laughs) it really got me thinking. I love it.
2: Uta
0: Hagen, she's... Yeah,
2: Hagen awesome. for the win, yeah. right? <laughs> yes yes.
1: <she is. laughs> well, Shari, thank you so much for coming on today and joining us.
2: Uh, thank you so much for asking me to do this. It was a pleasure to speak with you both., Yay.
0: So if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where would they do that?
2: They can go to my website, Mm -hmm. which is sharigruber.com, and that's spelled S as in Sam, A-R-I-G-R-U-B-E-R. There is a hidden H that was uh, (laughs) stolen by the Hungarians at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But um, my contact information is on there, as well as um, my hopefully burgeoning schedule for things as things open up for more performances. And... um, And, uh, yeah, I hope that you get a chance to visit.
0: Yay, what a pleasure it's been to catch, catch up, to discuss joy and gratitude. We have gained so much knowledge from you.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, Thank you. My pleasure. So to all of our listeners, remember that you have all the tools you need to discover joy in your own singing. It can be a challenging career, but honestly, what career does not have challenges? So try to find a way to focus on a good moment each day, whether that is journaling, sharing on social media, or whatever it might look like for you.
0: Exactly. And this practice really could help to improve your longevity in this career. And the world desperately needs your voices. So stop waiting in the wings. Go out and take the stage. In In Bocca Lupo!
1: Lupo. (laughs) Crazy!
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast.
1: We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material.